The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. I think it's a combination of, of several things. Um, and, and also the guys around Sam getting it. You know, it's, it's, it's like we've had, I've talked about this earlier too, about those aha moments where all of a sudden because, okay, I see it, I get it. Well, you know, some of the things that we did up front with the offensive line seem to be paying off. Um, I think getting the ball out of Sam's hands quicker, you know, creates that, that, that you know, the ball's out frustration for the defense when, when when a guy gets the ball out early and on timing there's a little bit of frustration that seems to develop and then overall the guy's understanding I mean you, you see some of the the things that that we've we've been seeing from from the backs and from the tight ends that, that are chipping their way out uh, shoot, we even got a couple snaps where we have the receivers chipping and all understanding just how important it is and it's all kind of coming together I think at the right time for us offensively. Ron Rivera earlier today during his Wednesday presser answering the question about the offense the last two weeks and the decreased sacks and whether or not they are due to the offensive line changes or Hal's development. And he said it was a combination of several things. And he ended it there with everybody's chipping, you know, backs, tight ends. They're chipping on their way out. Shoot, we even got a couple of snaps where we've got receivers chipping. And they all understand just how important it is. It's all kind of coming together, I think, at the right time for us offensively, he said. He's right. It has come together offensively the last two weeks. Let's see if that last two weeks, uh, if it's an aberration or if they can really develop some consistency offensively. They're going to need it Sunday because this is a much bigger test than the one they had in Foxborough. Uh, this previous game. The show, as always, presented by Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. If you've been thinking about new windows, now is the time to do it. Mention my name. You'll get a free estimate. Clinton Portis will be on the show. We'll talk Commanders. We'll talk Sam Howell. We'll talk NFL. Maybe we'll even get to a little college football uh, as well. Uh, You know, Ron, in that comment, also said something that I think has been very easy to observe the last two weeks. Uh, In fact, I think it was even easy to observe with Washington's defense against New England's offense. Specifically, when he said, 
we're getting the ball out of Sam's hands quicker, and that creates frustration for the defense when a guy gets the ball out early and on time. There's a little bit of frustration that seems to develop for the defense. Yes, it's so true. Uh, And it also really gets his quarterback into rhythm and gets him confident. But, man, the last two weeks you have seen defenses on their heels, you know, pretty much for the entirety of the Philadelphia game and for a solid three quarters against New England. In fact, Washington's defense was a little bit frustrated at times. Not a lot. It's not like New England was super productive. But Mac Jones gets it out of his hands very quickly. So there weren't a lot of pressures. There were no sacks, with the exception of the one that got overturned by a terrible call. Um, But uh, anyway, uh, there's more Ron Rivera I'm going to play for you here shortly. But I wanted to read this note from Sam. Sam wrote this. uh, Blaming Ron for Sam's interception was ridiculous in some terrible analysis, Kevin. The decision was bad, the throw was worse, and Sam hurrying because Ron didn't call a timeout was not the reason for the interception. The show is great, but I just thought that was too much hal-splaining. Uh, thank you, Sam, for the note. You can tweet me at Kevin Sheehan, DC. You can email me at thekevinsheehanshow.com. Uh... I'm not coming off the position that Ron should have called a timeout. I agree that more likely than not, the hurrying wasn't the primary reason for Sam throwing that interception at the end of the first half. It was a bad decision, which I said, and a bad throw, which I also said. Uh, I still think that Ron Rivera should have called a timeout. And should have called a timeout with roughly 30, 31 seconds, somewhere around that uh, time frame, which meant, you know, he would have let nine seconds from the end of the play run off, then call a timeout. And the reason, again, as I explained the other day, would be if you called a timeout immediately and you scored on the next play, that would leave New England with, you know, two timeouts left in like 35 seconds to go get in field goal range. So if you called that timeout, with, say, 30, 31 seconds left, somewhere around there, they snapped the ball at 22. Um, and then you have everything as an option, you know, running the football, keeping the whole field in play rather than running that sprint out. If you want to run that sprint out and cut the field in half, you can do it. Uh, and I just thought that, you know, a deep breath after that play and then taking your time with what you want to call rather than hurrying as if the clock was going to run out and you didn't have any timeouts just didn't give them their best chance. That's all. Uh, this note from Danny. Kevin, you were somewhat over the top, I thought, with Sam Howell praise and offense praise this week. You missed on something that I thought was a problem from the game. Uh, With the lead, they had a chance to put the game away on offense but came up small in the fourth quarter. You raved about an offense that scored just 20 points and went silent with the game on the line. Surprised you missed this. Love the show, except when you talk NBA. Um, thank you, Danny. Uh, yeah, I I understand that. 
I do understand that. And I have heard from a lot of you that you thought that my praise for the offense in particular was a bit much when all they scored was 20 points against a bad team and an injured team as well on defense. All right, fair enough. But points aren't the only way to judge an offense. I understand that a lot of you think it's a bottom-line business. You know, scoring points is the only way to measure offensive productivity. No, it isn't. They had 432 yards of offense. They were 9 of 17 on third down. They averaged 5.6 yards per play. Uh, the quarterback was very productive throwing the football. They were very productive running the football as well when they did that. Um, they didn't score more than 20 points because they turned the ball over twice. Once deep, deep, as we just discussed, uh, in the opponent's territory at their five-yard line throwing the ball into the end zone. You know, even if you get three there, it's still only 23 points. Okay, I understand that, but you know their drives in the first half were field goal, you know, punt. Then, and by the way, drop pass, and that's part of the offense. Um, field goal, touchdown, fumble, punt, interception at the five yard line into the end zone. You know, throwing it into the end zone. Second half, touchdown, field goal. You know, they went on a stretch there of scoring um, four times in six, six drives. Seven drives, four times in seven drives, with one of the drives ending in, you know, a situation in which they should have come away with points. But that is an offensive mistake. 20 points wasn't enough based on how productive they were. I guess I would say it that way. But it was also more on Monday's show, a discussion about the last two weeks overall and the production over the last two weeks. Um, But... Uh, with respect to, you know, going silent in the fourth quarter, that is true. And I did mention that, you know, it was a great day offensively other than the interception and, by the way, not doing much in the fourth quarter. Now, if your implication, Danny, is that they, you know, decided to run the clock out and with a three-point lead, I don't think they did that. If you go back and you look at the drives, you know, that first drive in the fourth quarter was – you know, six plays before they punted it and flipped the field. You know, they went 20 yards, punted it. Tressway, by the way, NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Good for him. I should have included him in my uh, game recap on the list of things that I liked. That was a big whiff. Uh, but, um, yeah, the the first drive, you know, not every drive ends in points And not every drive is a dud if it doesn't end in points. They drove the ball 20 yards. They ran six plays. They burned three-plus minutes. And they flipped the field entirely with a Tressway punt that that went to uh, the New England five-yard line. After, you know, that was the Chris Rodriguez nailing Douglas for um, a loss on the punt return as well. That second drive of the third quarter was a three and out, but they had two pass plays called. Not like they were sitting, you know, on the ball thinking that a three point lead was enough, but there was a sack uh, and there was a scramble for a yard with some pressure. And then on that last drive, I do think they were trying to end it on offense. Uh, they ran on the first set of downs, they got a first down on that third and three from their own 12 yard line. Remember, they started that drive from their own five. 
Uh, they started that drive on their own five because it was an unbelievable punt by Berenger, their punter. Um, and then Christian Holmes was called for holding, so it was you know, half the distance to the goal, and Washington started that last drive at their five-yard line. And from that point forward, they got a first down, and then on a third and eight, they threw short, as they have done the last two weeks a couple of times. You know, they did uh, – they, they threw a short on third and eight to Crowder because they're still in quick game mode on some of these. You know, they don't want him to take a big sack. And they're hopeful that, you know, the, the playmaker can turn it into a first down. And if not, they're willing to punt. Um, and then the punt, of course, drew the offsides, which, I mean, that's incredible that a Belichick team was offsides on that punt. And then they got another set of downs, and that's where they took the shot to De'Ami Brown on third and six. Uh, I think, you know, Jahan Dotson was wide open over the middle. But anyway, um, yeah, they were not super productive on three drives in terms of points. But they flipped the field on the first drive, and on the last drive, they flipped the field ultimately. Part of it was, you know, New England's doing with the offsides, but that was a punt that, you know, not only went 64 yards into the end zone from their own 36-yard line, but there was a holding, and so they started at their own 10. So, anyway, uh, it's amazing what a 20-17 to game had in it, as it turns out. Right, the end of the half, the KJ Henry sack, uh, force fumble, uh, roughing the passer. You know, there was just a there was a lot to that game. wasn't the most exciting game on Sunday, um, but uh, I think really my conversation for much of the week has been more about the last two weeks, which Ron, you know, talked about in that quote that I uh, brought you in with uh, that soundbite that I brought you in with. It's been a productive offensive football team the last two weeks. It has been. We'll see if it can continue on the road against a much tougher opponent and a very tough crowd environment. And, uh, yeah, uh, a much different test. If they are productive again offensively on Sunday, win or lose, I think it bodes well for, you know, the next few weeks after that. Certainly the following week against the Giants. All right. There's... There are two more uh, Ron Rivera bites I want to play for you real quickly, all right? The first is this. He was asked about Chase Young's comments. Uh, Chase Young made the comments. Tommy and I talked about it on the podcast yesterday. You know, referred to the organization, the, the organization he was with as a winning organization, a winning vibe, a different culture, spirit of the players, coaches, et cetera. We talked about it yesterday. You know, again, my position, a little bit different than Tommy's. I kind of think Chase Young, no offense intended, he's just stringing some words together. Uh, I don't know that they're, you know, he's the most comfortable um, in an interview. Uh, and I think, you know, he was trying to make himself welcomed and saying nice things about an organization that he had just gotten to. But taken literally – you know, there was backhanded slaps at the organization that he just left. Well, he was asked about that today by Scott Abraham from Channel 7. Right, I don't know if you saw Chase Young's comments on Monday during his opening press conference about San Francisco and it's a building full of winners, the culture, the spirit of the players. During your time here in Washington, what are you most proud of, of, of kind of the culture that you've helped build inside that locker room? I think first and foremost is that, you know, to me, as far as I'm concerned, um, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about our football team. I, I like the things that we're doing. I like the direction we're headed. Um, you know, I think culturally it, it, it's, a, it's a really solid place. You know, we're, we're still learning and growing. Um, you know, we have a, a young quarterback that's learning and growing for us. And I, I do think that for the most part, you know, things can be very bright for us if it continues to go in the right direction. Um, and as far as, you know, Chase is concerned in his comments, you know, I really appreciate who he is for us and who he was for us. Just some nice things and just wish him all the luck in San Francisco. Ron Rivera publicly wishing Chase Young well in San Francisco, uh, a bit different from the anonymous leaks last week that were not so well wishing um, for uh, Chase in San Francisco. Notice how he worked Sam Howell into that answer as well. Uh, that's been a theme to many of his answers, although it actually fit more uh, based on Scott Abraham's sort of multifold uh, question. Uh, I got a lot of correspondence after yesterday's show, and I was looking for a specific tweet that I got from somebody. Um, but basically the theme to several of the tweets were that you were more pissed off than I was at Chase Young's comments, specifically because the culture or the vibe that he was, you know, kind of criticizing, um, indirectly, uh, by propping up the organization he is now with, you felt like, well, he was responsible for that culture. You're right. You're 100% right. You know, I guess, again, I heard a guy just stringing sentences together that was more intent on making it go quickly. I don't think he's super comfortable. Uh, and making, you know, the new organization that he's with um, feel good, uh, that he feels good to be there. Now, I, I think you could, you know, make the case that, you know, he was definitely slapping back at maybe some of the coaches. I don't think it was as much about the players. That's me personally. Because of some of what was leaked last week, that's fair. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I should have mentioned yesterday in the conversation with Tommy. Tommy should have mentioned it, too. That the vibe and the culture, he didn't exactly work very hard to enhance, to make better. You know, when your captain, after his rookie defensive uh, defensive rookie of the year season, is the only player on the roster not to post for one OTA day, you know, that's on the player. And he shouldn't be complaining about the vibe and the culture when he wasn't necessarily responsible for making it better or improving it. Fair point from all of you that said as much. Um, okay, uh, we'll get to Clinton Portis. I did want to mention that Kevin Willard, the head basketball coach of Maryland after their win over Mount St. Mary's last night in the season opener. Deshaun Harris-Smith, I thought, played really well. Jamie Kaiser was very impressive, the other big-time freshman. Uh, Maryland should be good this year. Uh, They were sloppy, a lot of turnovers, but they really competed. They were good defensively. They beat Mount St. Mary's 68-53. to He was on the radio show today. You can listen to that at theteam980.com. And I also had Georgetown coach Ed Cooley on the show uh, as well. They opened up with a big win, an easy win over LeMoyne 
University. That's in Syracuse, by the way. Uh, and uh, he was excellent as well. Uh, both of them spoke to Maryland and Georgetown starting an annual series. So you can hear that at the team980.com. Uh, both of them have said before, and Kevin's told me before, you know, on this podcast, I believe, also on the radio show, that they are going to have a Maryland Georgetown annual series. It's just about when they can start it and scheduling, you know, is done in, you know, well in advance. And so I think they will figure that out. All right. Up next, Clinton Portis, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. This segment of the show brought to you by Window Nation. Temperatures will begin dropping soon. Energy costs will continue to rise. If you've got older, drafty windows, your furnace is working harder than ever to keep your family warm. Window Nation wants to help out this month with 0% financing for five years, plus two free windows with every two you buy, no limit. Now's the time to protect your family from the elements. Lower your energy costs and upgrade the look and feel of your home. Do it with Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Mention my name, Kevin Sheehan, and they will take really good care of you. I've been with Window Nation as an endorser of Window Nation for 14 years. 
very close to everybody there. Uh, I promise you, if you've been thinking about new windows, Window Nation will not only give you a great deal, uh, they'll give you great service and a great product. Window Nation installed over 200,000 windows last year alone, 40 times more than the average window company. They're one of the top five window retailers in America. 96% of their installs required no follow-up service. They get it right the first time. They measure each window three times to ensure proper fit, and they're going to leave your home in better shape than when they got there. 866-90-NATION, windownation.com for 0% interest for five full years, plus two free windows with every two you purchase with no limit. So Clinton Portis and I had a conversation earlier today, and you're going to hear that here uh, momentarily, but I want to give you a heads up. Uh, Something happened that has never happened before in the five plus years that I've done this podcast. The first five to six minutes of my conversation with Clinton Portis wasn't there when I went in to edit the show uh, after the show. I have no idea where it went. I still can't figure it out. It's never happened before. But summing up the first five to six minutes of our conversation, I asked him what he thought about Washington so far and Sam Howell in particular. Uh, And he said he feels like it's been very much an up and down season, disappointed with the defense, not overly impressed with the offense, even though they've gotten it together the last few games. And I said, well, what do you think of Sam Howell? And he was mixed. He said, I think it's been mixed all year long. And his biggest complaint was that Terry McLaurin wasn't being fed enough. Uh, we got into a conversation about Terry for a little bit and how, you know, he has been in Clinton's mind sort of neglected a little bit. And he's been targeted a lot here and there, but it's been hit and miss. Um, but anyway, I finally got back to Sam Howell and this is where the conversation continued. So back to Hal for just a moment, because You know, you answered it by saying your concern is that he's not getting the ball to a guy that you believe is a top-level, high-level playmaker. Um, What do you really like about him? Um, I think I think he's I think he's been been able to stay quiet enough. He's not making the 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 bad decisions. You know, Uh, the, the mistakes aren't. Like, oh man, this kid is is so pitiful in this area. Uh, in, in this area, um, what I what I honestly like about him is the command. I think that's something that he has in the respect of his teammates because you don't hear anything from that locker room anymore. You don't hear the finger pointing. You don't hear the 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 negativity that was coming out of that locker room. And I think. He does a good job at handling, hey, you know, I got to get these guys balls. It's my mistake. You know, his responsibility, he's taking responsibility and allowing these guys to go out and not have to throw him under the bus or, or cover for him or make up an excuse for why. You know, I think the direction uh, in knowing that that's a young offense, you know, that's a really young offense, but at the same time, when you say the Washington Commanders, have thrown the most passes in the NFL to this point. For a sports fan or for someone who didn't know that, you're not thinking those numbers are adding up. Like, they don't have glaring numbers. The receivers aren't coming out of the game with 150 and 250 
and, you know, you got two or three receivers that has 100 yards, you know. So it's like it's the quietness. It's, it's, that was a quiet, good game, or that was a quiet, decent game, you know, whether playing from behind or playing up. It's just like more. Your 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 record at four and five doesn't entail that this is the best decision. But we know, you know, defensively we've had some – uh, a couple bad games, you know, it's, it's ways to point out, you know, if you were in that uh, locker room when you're watching the film, you know where you lost the game. At. And uh, I think what was going to be great to respond or great to see is how does this team finish out when, you, when you've when taken two, uh, two guys that, that you felt like you were giving the keys to the city? You know, uh, Chase was, was given – the keys to the city and Sweat had had played well enough to get the keys to the city and for whatever reason those guys are gone. How does that alarm the other guys to say, you know what, man, I better do what they asking me to do or they're gonna get my ass up out of here as well. <laughs> you know, does that click? Does that does yeah. that bring guys together? Do guys look and say, you know what, that ain't true. You know, he wasn't doing this and this is what was called you know, it's always situations like that because I look back and, you know, people talk about Jason Campbell. Man, I heard what they were telling Jason Campbell. I know they set that man up for failure, and he had to take it, you know. So it's totally different when you're in the locker room and you know what's going on. How did they set Jason Campbell up for failure? Telling him where to throw the ball. Hey, this is throw the slant route right here. It's going to be wide open. Pick six. Was that Al Saunders? I I just told you. I know what they were telling that man. So before the plays and the timeout, when we break in the huddle, oh, this guy, this is going to come, look for this, and it's going to be, and then he let the ball go and it's going back the other way. So, you know, it, it's just one of those situations to Zorn. be involved. Zorn, Zorn, Zorn more than field. Sanders. More than Al Saunders. Hey, your favorite guy, Zorn. Only on JC. By the way, Clinton told me before we started to record, I said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm just in slow motion right now, just taking it easy. So we won't, we, we won't, we won't, we won't create any headlines, I promise you. Hey, yeah, man, I'm done with the headlines, man. It's just slow motion, bro. I'm, I'm living life, man. Yeah. That's it. I'm living life. Well, you know, there have been a couple of things that have been said. I think I've saved you from a couple of headlines, too. Um, we are talking to Clinton Portis, and we are talking Washington to start here. Um, were you surprised that both Sweat and Chase Young were traded? I, I was. And I was and I wasn't, just for the simple fact that you know, with Chase, I know it, it was it was injuries. This this actually worked out. I, I would think it's going to work out in his favor in the long run. Um, getting the opportunity because you're young, you're at home, and everybody loves you, and, and the fans, and you know, like that pressure of being a hometown hero uh, is is tough for some guys. And you know, I think going into the San Fran situation where you're going to get a chance to uh, be with guys that play at a high level all the time. You know, it's a different demand. Um, it, it, it's a different 
they carry themselves different. They're they're used to a different. Uh, they're they're not used to losing. You know, they they believe in winning. They believe they're supposed to win every game. And uh, now you're going to be going up against uh, one one of the best tackles in the NFL history, and Trent Young. Uh, I, I mean, and Trent Williams, and you're going to be with Bosa, and you're going to be with you know when you look at that defense, there's some players on that defense that can take him under their wing and say, look, guy, this is how we play. You know, compared to here, everyone is your peers. And it, it could seem like jealousy. It could seem like envy. Whatever it is, everybody wasn't on the same accord. And I think going to uh, San Fran, it's not going to be a situation of me, me, me. Um, and we've already seen Sweat get rewarded for his efforts. So uh, for him, I think it was more one of those, um, he's going to be a free agent. We can't keep him. Uh, we think he's going to leave. And for Chase, I think it was just one of those, the the locker room, because you haven't been available. And then when you're here, maybe people feel like you're doing your own thing and you're not mixing with the other guys, you know. Uh, so I think it, it, it's really going to uh, work out. Chicago definitely needed a, uh, a pass rusher after let, letting their guys go after having the fire sale. Um, so they definitely needed a guy, and I think Sweat get a chance to start over, and, and hopefully it works out for both of them. Uh, this team is four and five. They haven't beaten anybody. You know, they've beaten Arizona and Denver and New England, and um, who am I forgetting? Uh, the other team that they beat, they beat uh, the Atlanta Falcons. It's like ten and twenty-five is the aggregate record of the teams that they've beaten. They're playing a good team this week in Seattle. Uh, do you see them trending in the right direction? Do you think this is a team that can make a run for that last, you know, seven seed wild card spot in the NFC or not? Uh, I think it's I think it's hard because you're you're already down in the division. You know, um, you're down in the division. You still got you still got these Cowboys uh, coming up. And it's not, you know, for this time of year where it, it's running game and, and toughness. Actually, I like how quiet that secondary is. It's just our linebacking core. Um, I think we got to we got to get a lot more out of uh, the, the guys that came in and played this week for uh, Sweating Young. You know, they they did what they were supposed to do. I think Allen and Payne. Uh, has to elevate their play at this time of year, um, but offensively, I don't see the running game that you need in November and December being there. You know, it's it, it, the wind, the weather is going to dictate you to not be able to sling the ball around. And when you can't sling it around, do you have an O line that can? go over and push people around. And I don't think we have that online. You know, I think the inconsistency uh, in the sacks. So uh, the short routes, teams are going to start sitting on and jumping routes in, in November and December, just forcing you to make a mistake, even forcing you to hold the ball. So uh, as much as you would love to say, yeah, man, we're going to do it. I don't see it. I hope we can uh, who do you like right now in the league? Um, let's start in the NFC because the AFC is a little bit more crowded. Do you think Philly's the best team in the NFC? Oh, uh, I think Philly. Yeah, and the 
reason I would say Philly is they've lost one game with all these turnovers that they're having, which I know that's a problem that they're going to fix. And then they have the weapons. And eventually, I, I think something that's going to play into their favor uh, is Julio Jones being that, that huge target in the red zone. And you got A.J. Brown and you got uh, you, you got Swift. Like, I think they're going to get even more dangerous at this time of year, you know. Um, and then they have depth to go out and be able to get uh, the, the safety from Tennessee. Uh, they're just plug and play. They're, they're replacing and, uh, and, and guys are making plays. You know, when you look at the Giants, I think they're done. But the Cowboys are still alive. So, what do you make uh, of the Cowboys? What do you make of the Cowboys? Then, and the, you know, they had that game first and goal, first and five at the six yard line with twenty seven seconds to go, and they went backwards at the end. Why can't they get yeah, get, get it done in that spot? That highlights their red zone struggles, and uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is everybody was wishing for Pollard and Pollard, 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 and Pollard is going to do this and. You see, it's totally different when you're the go-to guy. When teams are game planning for you, you're not coming in as a spark. This is, I need you to, you got to wear down the defense, and then you got to tear down the defense. Not someone else wear it down, and you come in, and, and you skate loose, and, and, and the city loves you, you know. Um, I, I think that consistency, they need to, they need to go out and find a back and add a back um at, at that deadline, and they did it. So I don't think they have the, um, I don't think they have the the run game that they need. And the other weapons, you know, you look at Lamb, you look at Cook, uh, and, and you're you're hoping for guys to uh, make plays. I think they need more weapons on offense and Dak. You know. Um, you're, As a quarterback, you just, you just yawned. To. You just yawned, and it made me yawn. Uh, we're just going in slow. We're just going in slow motion right now. Hey, it's just slow motion, man. It's just chilling. That that Dak. Uh, I think Dak got to do a better job in the red zone. Yeah. Of using his feet. You know, you gotta. If this guy is not here, you gotta take off. You know, and I, I, maybe it's something that they've said to keep him healthy and. We want you, you know, to make it to the playoffs, but go dive out of bounds. You know, even last week when he stepped out of bounds, you know, that's just one of the plays you got to have that determination. It's no way in hell I'm not getting in this end zone. Right. Like, it's impossible for me not to get in this end zone. And it's kind of one of those, it just looks like a lax mentality. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm here, and was, I didn't finish the it play. It was careless. And now you stepped out of bounds. It was very careless, and it was a massive play in the game. Massive play. Yep, huge. All right, uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I'll ask Clinton who he thinks the best team in the NFL is right now. We'll do that and more right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Clinton Portis joining us on the show. Uh, Before we get to the rest of it with Clinton, let me just tell you that apple cider brine smoked turkey cornbread stuffing shallot and thyme gravy. Does anything sound better? Thanksgiving is right around the corner, two weeks from tomorrow, in fact. And Due South in Navy Yard is going to make your holiday way easier. Their home-cooked dinner packages can serve 2 to 200 and will serve as a delicious, easy, and crowd-pleasing option for your big day. So don't feel like cooking this year? Give them a shout. Check out their menu and learn more at DueSouthDC.com. Who's the best team in the league right now? I I like, you know, honestly, I like the Eagles and I like the Ravens. And the reason I like the Ravens is because they're getting it done and Lamar isn't putting up those rushing numbers. You know, he's spreading the ball around. They got guys coming on. I love the young kid, Flowers, uh, a compliment to Andrews. You know OBJ is going to come alive at some point. They're going to get healthy. The, the running back room was demolished, and they're figuring it out. It's like every week is somebody different, and that's going to allow Lamar to be fresh, and teams are going to kind of get used to, you know what, well, he's not running. Now we're going to sit back and do this, and he's going to tear you up running the ball uh, in these in these crucial stages. So you've been able to keep him healthy, Um the defense is, is coming together. It's not that defense that we're used to when you say the, the Baltimore Ravens, but they're playing. You know, when, when you've seen them uh, demolish Detroit, it was just like one of those, oh, what are they doing? Like, and who are they doing it with? And, you know, last week you see them put up numbers as well. So it's kind of one of those where, where they're coming together. Lamar is uh, expanding his game and, I think he's going to be a huge weapon. When you look at the other teams, I just don't see it in in, in the Chiefs. You know, they don't have those weapons, and, and teams are learning how to take Kelsey away and make someone else beat me. Uh, the Dolphins, they haven't beat a, uh, beaten a good team. The Bills uh, can't run the ball, and I don't think the chemistry between uh, uh, Dorsey and Allen is there. So uh, the Bengals, you know, I think the Bengals have potential after starting out slow due to Burrow injuries, but you have some teams. I just like the Ravens and the Eagles. Um, the Ravens are really interesting, and I, I, I mentioned when they beat Detroit a couple of weeks ago, thirty-eight to six. They were up thirty-five nothing going into the fourth quarter. In that game, they had five hundred and three yards, and they threw for three fifty-seven. And then two weeks later against Seattle this past weekend, they had 515 yards, beat them 37-3, to and they had 300 yards rushing. I think what's so scary about Baltimore right now is they can beat – first of all, their defense, it, it turns out, one of the best defenses in the league. But offensively, they can beat you any way they want to. 
They can beat you by running it down your throat for 300-plus yards, which includes the quarterback running like he did against Seattle. And then they can beat you like they did with Detroit with, with Lamar throwing for 357. That is... That's got to be the team right now if they stay healthy, and it doesn't matter what they put in the backfield. Gus Edwards, they you know they had the guy Keaton Mitchell last week in his first game for go for one thirty eight. It's just amazing, you know they don't they don't have the Ohio State kid in the backfield. He got injured. Um, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, doesn't matter. They just they're able to run the football whenever they want. Yeah, I think that's what that's what looks uh, beautiful in Baltimore. You know, just being able to. Uh, go and be under the radar, and like I said, the expansion of of Lamar Jackson. You know, when you look at that defense, it used to be like this kid is is raising hell, but you got so many guys and they're playing together. You know, it, it's like they're they're probably playing the best team ball out of everyone right now, yeah. and they're not beating themselves. The mistakes, the turnovers, it's just hey, let's go out here and get our work done get off this field healthy and, and get into the next week. And then it's real quiet. Nobody's even talking about what they're doing. Like, that's the crazy thing. Yeah. Um, I think this year, and I am curious as to what you think, we've seen kind of a, uh, the return of some dominant defensive teams. You know, Baltimore's been great. Cleveland has been off the charts defensively. I don't know that we've seen statistically a defense like this in a long time. Uh, the Jet defense is incredible. Um, there, there's just been some great defenses. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think that Jets defense, knowing that you're going you're gonna to probably score 7 to 10 points and you have to go out and play the way that they're playing against the teams, it's not like they're playing a, 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 a suspect schedule. Like You have to go out and ball every week for your team to have a chance and you're responding. Like to watch Sauce Gardner run routes for receivers, to watch uh uh Quentin Williams and his brother. I think his brother no, I know his Quincy. brother should definitely be up for defensive player of the year. He's like, having a great this year. man is everywhere. He's on every tackle. He's like he's constantly around the ball. If it's a fumble, he's around it. If it's a, a tackle for loss, he's around it. If it's Whatever the play is that need to be made, he's in the action. So uh, I think that Jets defense is is playing lights out. Like you know, going into the game, this team has to hold them to under fourteen points. Can they do it? And they've done it. Um, when you look at that that Cleveland uh, defense, they're the same. And Miles Garrett is just elevated himself to the moon. Like he's he's on another planet. Uh, with his play at this point. And then Baltimore is just playing outstanding overall team football, offensively and defensively. So uh, the, the the thing I would say about Baltimore is your offense, your offense is, is giving you uh, a rest. And you can't say that about the Jets or the Browns. Right, right exactly. Yeah, no, great point. I think Kansas City's defense has been great this year, too. Yeah, um, they have been. They they picked up the slip. Yeah. Uh, real quickly before we finish up, because, because I know you follow it like I do and watch it like I do. 
So the college football playoff rankings last night were unchanged in the top six. Ohio State 1, Georgia 2, Michigan 3, Florida State 4, Washington 5, Oregon 6. And then it's Texas and Bama uh, at 7 and 8. So do you think who's the best team in America right now? Well, I, I, I mean, it's hard to take it away from Georgia for how long uh, they've been playing the way they're playing. So how Ohio State jumped them uh, is shocking to me. It's because they uh, beat Georgia Ohio State, State and Penn State. Uh, Ohio, they beat Penn State and Notre Dame. So that it's their resume. Yeah, but and Notre Georgia, Dame has disappeared. I know. And Penn State, you know, Penn State is, is decent, but it's still not. I think if you line them two teams up, Georgia beats Ohio State. So, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those is good for college football for guys. Say, oh, it's somebody better than Georgia at the end of the year. I think Georgia uh, prevails. You know, when you look at the rest of the teams, uh, Alabama has has quieted uh, themselves after the early season, uh, not knowing what quarterback was going to be around and how they were going to play. Um, I like Washington. Washington is, is – I love Washington. I love Penix and – just the the makeup of that team. So um, when you look at some of these things, it's even it's crazy to say. Just as a a college football fan, Florida State is playing well. Like as a UM guy, I'm not supposed to say that or, <laughs> or be any positive about Florida State. But when you look at Florida State and, and that receiver coming out of nowhere and doing the things that he's Coleman, doing, yeah. that defense coming alive. Um, I, Florida State, I, I would say, could possibly give Georgia a run for their money if they get to uh, match up. Miami's got no shot this week. I think they got a shot because it's a rivalry game, you know. But it's going to be tough, and, and if you you go and you slip at any point and don't Campbell, uh, and you let that that stadium start rocking and. Uh, the war chant get going is going to be a long day. So uh, given some of the, the things we've done with, um, you know, just coaches' decisions and uh, looking at, at Van Dyke, I'm not sure, mm. you know, if he's if he's hurt, you got to go with the other guys. And, and, you know, kid came in and beat Clemson, and all of a sudden you went away from him and, and bring back a hurt quarterback. So this has been some of the – you know, not taking a knee, I think, killed the killed the momentum. And then you go to North Carolina and uh, and, and you get beat up in, at UNC. So it's going to be hard to go into Florida State and something goes wrong for those guys not to come together, you know. So I think it's going to be a tough game. As excited as I want to say I am about the game, uh, I'm not – I'm not – I'm not at that point where I say, man, you know what? We're going to go and beat Florida State this week. So uh, I really think it's going to be uh, a, a good learning experience for the young guys that we have. I think there's some potential there. I just don't think they're ready for that challenge at this point. And Florida State and that staff and, and uh, their team has come together because I went to the LSU game. I didn't see that in Florida State. I didn't. I didn't see that, you know. I, I didn't, you know, what Florida State gonna be pretty good, and uh, every week since Boston College, they've gotten better. Right, they almost lost to Boston College. Um, 
so the last one for you, uh, the quarterbacks, you know, projecting to next year's draft. I mean, everybody believes Caleb Williams will be number one. Um, you know, Drake May, you know, uh, Jaden Daniels, Quinn Ewers, um, who am I forgetting? The Oregon quarterback, Bo Nix, Penix, as you mentioned. Um, give me the guys that you like quarterback-wise in terms of what they'll be next year and beyond in the NFL. Well, I mean, if Caleb Williams haven't lived up to the, the height, you know, all the, this excitement that you've been the first pick and, you know, you, well, I won't, I, I, I might stay in school if this team isn't drafting me and I might do this. You know, like when you put that kind of bulls out on yourself and then you can't carry your team uh, into the playoffs, it makes it really tough to go out and say, you should be the first pick. You know, maybe, uh, maybe he still is, but I, I think when you look at guys like Penix and his, uh, background, you know, Indiana to Washington and, you know, carrying these Huskies and having to score 50 points, you know, in a week to to perform and you're making the throws and you're getting it done. I think he should be someone to watch. You know, uh, Daniels then kind of ran out of Arizona State and everybody uh, not getting along with him and hating him for going to LSU and what he's doing at LSU. Like, he's coming out and competing. You know, these are the guys that that I look at um, and say these are the guys I would I would want to lead my team. You know, uh, when you when you look around the league at those kind of guys who's who's responded to adversity or who's went through adversity, uh, those are the guys that I like and that I root for compared to the front runners and the guys who feel like, hey, you know what? If this team gets it, I'm not coming out. You know, I, I just never really understood that you. If you feel like you're rating, you feel like you're the best player in the draft, you go anywhere and you elevate that team. So uh, for myself, I'm rooting for Penix. I'm rooting for uh, Daniels. You know, those guys, uh, they, they got playmaking a bit. Even Randolph, you know, uh, even, even Randolph at Florida State, uh, I think the scrutiny and, and the pressure that he's been under, uh, a, especially for the Jordan, last Jordan three years, Travis, you're talking about. Player. Travis. I mean, Jordan Travis. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking Travis Randolph. Yeah. Jordan Travis. Right. Uh, so even even with Travis, uh, the pressure that he's been under uh, the last three years and in, in his response, I think it even elevates him, you know, in, into that quarterback discussion. Uh, the, the show that Jaden Daniels put on the other night in the first half at Bama, and by the way, Milrow was great too. But I have all year long just in watching Daniels thought that is that's a guy that's got to go in the first round. To me, yeah, I don't. He's ele- he, he elevated and he responded. And and you know what people don't realize is he lost his top receivers last year. I don't even think they got drafted. Uh, but those kids that left left LSU and for him to come out because his receivers aren't like. He don't have Jamar Chase and, and Neighbors is pretty Jefferson. good. Neighbors is pretty good. Yeah, but the the other kid yeah. uh, left. What was his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, right? Yeah. So he, what what he's doing with the weapons? Like he's he's probably the the least weaponized out of all the quarterbacks. Uh, Bo- Bo- uh, you're there. thinking about Keishon Butte. Yeah, Butte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he did not. He did not live up to what they thought he was going to be before the year. Because remember last year, 
he was a projected first round pick before the year started. He went in the. I don't think did he get drafted? I think he went undrafted, and I don't think is he on the roster? Is he doing anything? Hold on, I'm looking it up right now. Sixth round, sixth round by the Patriots. He is not. It does not look like he's played in a game yet this year. He played in one game, and he has no catches. See, like that's that's crazy to me. You got you you have that kind of potential and projection, and you know it, it goes south, and you're only to blame. You, know, you we all want to point the finger and say it's somebody else. It's somebody else's fault that I'm not doing this, and. That's when you have to look at you, man, because you could have stayed in school. You could have stayed at LSU to write your ship. And for whatever reason, you jump up and you leave and you enter the draft knowing your status wasn't the same. And, and then just imagine if you got him in that offense with Daniels. You know, mm. like they finally got it together and, and you're gone. Yep. All right. Um, that's it. What do you think? Uh, do you have any thoughts on what Washington will do with coaching staff, with general manager at the end of this year? Most people believe there will be massive change. Do you agree with that? Man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I just think it's one of those situations. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not privy to any of the, the conversation. I haven't really been around to say, hey, this is what's going on or this is what I can I, I can see. So it's just one of those. I, I think it's a lot of people on eggshells, and uh, I've kind of set out this year to to watch and, and wait for people to uh, get in positions, you know, uh, to see who's going to be there and who's not. So you know, maybe next year when things quiet down or or people are removed or are or, or replaced or put in positions to make decisions. Um, to be, be some better understanding, you know. Right now, I just think it's a lot of a lot of moving parts and a lot of uh, worried people. So you, know, you just kind of stand out the way. All right, good to catch up. Hope you're well. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Always peace out. Clinton Portis, everybody. All right, that is it for the show today. Back tomorrow with Tommy. Ball at the twenty-three. Campbell puts it in the air. It is deflected. Along the far side of the field, running with the football at the 50, at the 40, Michael Lewis, at the 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.